Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 121, recorded on May 8th, 2012. Contrabass French Horn. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy, episode 121. We are upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail and four minutes, 22 seconds at a time. I did it anyway. I know. I know. It makes sense. I did it anyway. It does make kind of sense. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Upsetting it one four minutes and twenty two seconds at a time. Upsetting it four minutes and twenty two seconds at a time. Like, like instead of like four minutes. Yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fine. If you the one. So and upsetting it one rabbit trail at a time and four hundred twenty two seconds. Every four minutes. Not four hundred twenty two seconds. That's something completely different. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Anyways, if you haven't guessed the reference yet. We're going to be talking about postmodern music, uh, continuing our kind of foray into post-structuralism, postmodernism, post-isms. And we actually have a new guest on the show. I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to introduce Mr. John Elliott. Welcome to Bad Philosophy, good sir. Well, thank you so very much. So, uh, as is our tradition, uh, when we have a guest on the show for the first time, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why we should care. Oh, well, <laughs> I can tell you about myself. Okay. You're probably not going to want to care after that. So That's just as a, totally okay, <laughs> actually. I am a music music person. I'm a musician. I guess you could say it would be a better way I'm to like a music person, actually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I... Uh, I, uh, so I grew up in New Hampshire in the woods, mm-hmm. so I had a lot of time to listen and kind of kick it there <laughs> to do that. And I got really right. into like classical and jazz, and I liked the tuba. Awesome. Really? Don't know. That's not the most normal path to like. I really like. I to get into music. I love you know? the sousaphone. Just gonna head down to my local store <laughs> yeah. and grab a tuba, tuba real quick. <laughs> so. Well, I kind of wonder though. I, I actually that was I briefly briefly had kind of a stint where I was into um, a music major and into music at the same time. Um, Funny how that works. It, We're not related. And into sure. band. She, she was in band, and I was also into band. Yes. Because At the same time, <laughs> exactly. You see yeah. where this is going. But uh, during college, and I kind of wondered, just like you know, what drives you to want to play the really obscure instruments? You know, that's a like good, the tuba. Yeah. Like what? What is tuba that ex- that obscure? It's, there's one in every orchestra in the world. There's like three in every orchestra in the world. Yeah. So that means there's three times as many tubas as there are orchestras in the world. That's a lot of tubas. But there are, you know, many more French horns and trumpets and various kinds of violins. wind instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Loads of them. Yeah. Then there are tubas. That's true. All the violins. Right. Right. That's true. The, the so, there's only one timpani per orchestra. Okay, so I that, well that would be in the same believe it or category. Not, there's actually only ever one tuba per orchestra, also. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Well, usually harp and tuba, and are, are the loners mm-hmm. of the orchestra, and then okay. timpani's often times on its own, but they have percussion. Yeah, fights. they have they have a guy who does all of them. Okay. Right. So tuba and harp are the are the loner instruments, and I was. Uh, so, so when I was in high school, I started on percussion, mm-hmm. and it was just... That's dreadful. what cool kids actually. It's that. It's, I was very cool, 
I, cool. should, I will have you know. I'm glad here. No, I'm going to do something. That's it, 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 my brief foray into Ben. All of the cool kids were in percussion. Well, you know, that's that's so that's how I got started. They're like, look at that kid over there. They actually zit the, the, the Texas Mopop. Tech band, uh, Texas Tech drumline was. Yeah, basically they were the they, they were, were the cool elite. Yeah, they were yeah. like the you know concert choir or whatever you know the, the master singers the you know the elite of the elites of yeah. the band you know and everybody everybody kind of looked up to them um they were also one of the band fraternities uh, that you could be a part of so yes yeah I... it's kind of a kind of an exclusive club but uh, so anyway so you started with percussion so started i started with, with percussion okay. and I, I got a little bit bored with it because it's hitting stuff and i i, well, I liked it you know and i, I took lessons wait hitting practice. stuff gets boring i know I, I know yeah right <laughs> And so I got—I don't want to say bored with me. That's a little bit mean, but I, I just it wasn't. My energies weren't being mm-hmm. totally sapped. I was I, okay. I wasn't super into it, and I went in to quit band one day, mm-hmm. right? And the very intelligent band director that I had at the time. Um, was like, well, we don't have a tuba player yet. <laughs> and you were like, uh, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, had you ever played a tuba in your life? Yeah, and it at was that this point. big. We had one tuba in the whole building, and it was this big, rusty, obnoxious mofo in the corner. And I was just like, sign me up. Like, I was like, that looks amazing. Yeah. So I got into that, uh-huh. and, I, and I just liked it. You know, it's just one of those things you just go like, you feel yes, powerful playing awesome. it, yeah. You know, it's just, it worked out, and I played through high school, and I played in. I started. Uh, uh, I played in different things, and I, I got into a youth orchestra for so okay. for young people, high school age. Cool. For the, the Greater Boston Youth Symphony, and that was great. And then I went to. From there, I sort of. More people were like, "Oh, you should try give this a try." <laughs> Then I got terrible at it. And I was like, well, that's better than anything else I've got. <laughs> if that isn't a vote of confidence, I don't know what is. Yeah. So I went and uh, I went to, a, to college for it, and I went to a place called the Eastman School of Music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very fortunate to go there. It's a very fantastic school of music, turns out. Okay. And um, really, really hip place to be right now for, for musicians. Very cool place. I was sort of, sort of lucked out being there at a good time. And then... Um, I, while I was there, I, I got super duper deep into classical music and, and sort of uh, maybe classical music and fancy pants, artsy fartsy music. Ah, so, oh boy! So that, exactly <laughs> right, and I got very very into that. And um, I played with orchestras full time, just all the time. And uh, I ended up winning a job, a small job in the South Bend Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Not the single most luxurious. Metropolitan capital, but it was a cool place. Did that thing for a little South while. South Bend, Nebraska. This or is in Indiana. Indiana, South okay. Bend, Indiana, hmm. home of Notre Dame. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm not a guy who knows that. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 the, about it. That's and about it. An orchestra. There yeah. is and an orchestra, I and mean, I did mm-hmm. that, and then I won. Um, uh, I won a job with the Honolulu Symphony after that. Oh. So I moved up to Hawaii and played in the Honolulu Symphony. Oh, for I a bet while. that was hard. It's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tough. All those concerts on the, around. on the beach. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. very horrible. Difficult. And so, I so I did that, and uh, I ended up going on sabbatical from the orchestra to mm-hmm. go pursue a master's degree at a place called the New England Conservatory, back in Boston, back in New England. Uh, and I, I, while I was there, I actually focused mostly on sort of entrepreneurship and 
the, the biz, businessy side of things, I guess you could say. And okay. I'm really super interested into how how these things all work and stuff. So got super into the arts, and then I was like, well, hold on. There's this whole kind of like um, Wizard of Oz thing where there's this beautiful, well, terrifying thing going on. Yeah. And then there's someone behind the curtain that's sort of making yeah, it all happen, turning it. the knobs and doing oh. all this cool stuff. So hmm. I got into that, and then... Um, uh, after Boston, I came down here to Austin, and I'm here. Okay. I think cool. that's the bulk of it. Well, we're glad to have you on the show, then. So. <laughs> um, that's You're definitely the most experienced person in the musical realm, probably. I, I guess next show. to Julie. Yeah, Julie would be our next Meadows, second, yeah. but she was still in college when we got her on. No, right. there's nothing against her. She was yeah. just at a different point. She, she went a slightly different route. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. She yeah. went the, uh, the performance uh, the performance piano route. Yeah, so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and she's, she studied she's under uh, uh, William Wesney. Okay. You know know the name? I you know the name rings a bell. He wrote a book that I may keep meaning to read. I would go to yeah. the library and pick it up about mm-hmm. once a year, and you can check it out, and then I never get back to it. I had yeah. the perfect wrong note. Yes. Um, wow. Is the name of his book? That actually, that actually rings a, a big bell. Yeah. Well, I had the pleasure of seeing him perform a couple of times, and I have to say he he is the best argument for. Uh, live experience of of music mm. that I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and just the the raw, you know, seeing seeing him seeing him in such a polished fashion express the music with his body and his hands and and yet mm. still play it incredibly well. Apparently, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly the most objective <laughs> person when it comes to this, but a lot of people were telling me that he was doing it incredibly well. So and that's, that's I tended cool to believe them. That sort of like corner of the music universe that yeah. I've sort of swam in for the last few years and and um, been so so privileged and, and lucky to be a part of is that yeah boy if there's ever been a like a a real argument for like why live music is better than recorded music that I hate to say it but it's a little bit elitist but that kind of fancy pants artsy kind of stuff when you see somebody do that live when you see somebody play a violin solo or yeah. um, especially especially new music like if you see a live four minutes thirty three seconds for example is it four thirty three or four twenty two? It's four thirty three. It is four thirty three. We've been oh, saying twenty two all night. I think say, that's oh, you. Damn it. Um, okay. it. Did I get it? No, you, it? you've been right. Okay. You, no, it, yeah, is yeah, 40, yeah. it is four thirty three. It is four thirty three. Damn it. Um, yeah, four minutes thirty three seconds. Yep, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. But you know, so, something like that in real life is just absolutely spellbinding. Yeah. And I'm, mm-hmm. I gotta imagine a lot of a lot of the work that I uh, do nowadays is is trying to, to make those performances happen as much as possible for people and getting the the uninitiated involved with those yeah. kind of shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there was a fantastic, and, and, and I've never seen 433 Live, so I can't speak to it, although I've, I've, I have played it, recorded, and right listened on. to it. Um, but because there's, there's a wonderful video, of, and I don't know who it is, uh, but they... Orchestra mm-hmm. that did a, did a John Cage concert, nice. and so one of the things they did was play 433, yeah. and and they recorded it, and and like there was a TV reporter there who was kind of who was introducing the video, and you could tell he was kind of he was he was kind of laughing at it, and kind of going, look at this funny thing they sure. play, and then they play it. And the audience is wrapped, mm. and it—I mean, it's—you can see the attention on them, and and you kind of see the, the reporter kind of has a different opinion. Like at the end of it, it's like, oh, yeah. okay, wow. Well, I so let's, get it. there's let's, kind of a thing that just happened. Let's there. talk about that then. Yeah. So four four thirty three um, to to just be perfectly explicit here for anyone who doesn't know is four hundred thirty four four minutes 
33 seconds of silence. It's it's a, a person on stage with an instrument, at the very least, or an orchestra on a stage with an instrument, mm-hmm. and an audience in a concert hall doing, doing nothing, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for four <laughs> minutes and 33 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so initially you hear that, and yeah, right, the reporter's probably thinking this and going, the the f like you know <laughs> what <laughs> you know because yeah. it, it's it sort of it sort of makes you go ha 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 that's not music and then like you say you experience it and it's it becomes about something else it becomes about in your opinion kevin yeah, what so my, my reflection opinion, it's, or? it's about listening okay it's about the fact that there is no such thing as silence huh that Okay. Um, you know, right. You've got. You can have someone on stage, and and you and when you're you are then forced to listen to them not play, and you discover all the things you can hear. Okay. Because so. you're already you're already sort of in the mood to be attentive to listen attentively. Yeah. If you're there for a musical performance of some kind. Well, even even if that's if that's all it is, is that four minutes and thirty three seconds is a significant period of time. Yes. And to to try and hear silence for that period of time. Your ears are going to start reacting. You're going to hear things. And there are mm-hmm. things that are actually all around you all the time. Yeah. The sound of an air conditioning unit kicking on. Somebody coughing, shuffling in their seats. I mean, the fact know. that we are surrounded by noise. Yeah. And as I think, you know, if I, I don't want to speak for John Cage, but I think he would say music. You're surrounded by music constantly. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, well, what's what's your take on it, then, John? Did you first experience it before college, or was I, that was that your kind of your introduction to? I was in college, and I was in college when I saw it performed. Oh. Yes. That because when, when when I went to college, that was when I was first introduced to that. I I guess you could say that level of. Artistic artsy complexity, party, I guess. Yeah, artsy okay. fartsy. Yeah. Did you just say, I tried to do artistic complexity. <laughs> well, let's just say, let's just say, but it's no, not it's usually cool. put in there among like the Beethoven and yeah. the, and the Wagner and mm-hmm. the, it's yeah, it's, Bach. it's <laughs> maybe somewhat less accessible, <laughs> I guess you could say, in some ways, and, mm-hmm. and a little bit more risque, and mm-hmm. um, it can be challenging, I think, to the to it's the not what people initiate. think music is. Yeah, right. It can be it can be off putting. I, uh-huh. I, I, I even think pr- probably about two minutes, 33 seconds in, I was just like, all right. You know, you're like, okay. I was like 18, and I was just like, this, yeah. someone, this is just like a, a, a composition major was like, he needed to do homework, and then, you know, he didn't do it, and then at the last minute, like, he was like, I got it! You know what I mean? Like, and then, and that's, you know. This will work, this will work. Yeah. And you like, no, of, guys, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hard to put together. Oh. Yeah. And it, it was, but, it, you know, I remember I had such an incredible experience hearing it because I was, at the time, as a tuba player, that's a big instrument. Yeah, that's a, yeah. what we would, like a like a maximum power instrument, isn't right? Uh-huh. Isn't it like the loudest instrument in the orchestra potentially? Do you know if you look at sort measured of, how? Uh, well, I had a music teacher who I had a music uh-huh. teacher who told me that that was in third grade. Uh-huh. And that's the only thing I remember from that music class. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that might be. And the trombone was second, which is why I went to the trombone. Uh, Whoa. Was, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny, like if you factor, if you prob- probably if, if you do the math on like just kinetic energy uh-huh. involved, like mm-hmm. the tuba might might be the winner there. The trick is a lot of the sound is what we would put below the human range of hearing. Hmm. So, so you and feel I, it and I, exactly. Yeah. And again, it's very much like 
very, very hard to record. Very hard to get down on a, a CD, especially yeah. like when you go listen to an LP or something. Of, when the, you're the a two player, you, sound, yeah. you know, you do that, and, and it's uh, you listen to these old recordings, and that that deep thing of that sort of feeling of like weight on your chest. <laughs> that's a good tuba sound, you know, and that's like huh. it's uh, it's very subtle, but it's it just moves the earth when you hear it. You know, it's, it's absolutely huh. unbelievable kind of thing. So. It's very subtle, and, and I was studying that kind of stuff of where um, Wagner and Mahler and Strauss and just heavy, heavy-duty stuff. And so I'd be in the practice room all day with the headphones in. Yeah, you know, huge stuff. <laughs> and then to go see, I think the first time I saw it was a vocalist and a piano player in a recital. <laughs> and the vocalist... There, there's there's three movements to the piece. Yes, yes. And the piano player raises the cover on the keys and then lowers it at the beginning and end of each movement. So those are those are part of those are deliberate well, yeah, yeah, parts it, it of the is, composition. It is, the the yeah. formula from thirty three isn't actual is the length of the music itself. Right. Which is separated into three movements. So the actual whole time is a little bit longer. And there are there are actually three movements yes, on yeah, the part of yes. the it's written it's, in the you move the, this way in a performance of sort <laughs> of no no it's, it's, it's a musical move oh, like, okay, like, right. like but, operas are broken in movement not operas but, well, sure, but, but, but they are also explit like yes, physical are, well, movements well they usually right? <laughs> often there's a way of designating that if okay. like in the orchestra when I saw the conductor would lift his baton at the beginning yeah. of the movement mm-hmm. and then put it down at the end. That's how he signaled the, the movement. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's those three movements that actually add up to the 433. Um, so an actual performance of it, because there's a break between each movement, just mm-hmm. like in a symphony, is is longer than huh. four minutes and 33 seconds. That's right. Really? Yeah. It's, okay. it's really like a very explicit musical silence. Yes. So and it's, it's, and It is it's, a rest. The, the splits in between those silences... And the rest from making that musical silence when you when you see it live is like really it's like it's distinction. So then you like, feel two types of silence. Yeah, yeah that's the, the silence so, that so like, comes between pieces of music and, and the silence of, in that is part of, a, that is the music. Yeah. Exactly. In, huh. Like in between movements in a violin concerto, for example, of a, let's say piano and violin, mm-hmm. if they're playing, they play a movement. And that's the end of first movement. And they go, yeah. oh, okay, kind of shake it out. Right, and then the one guy who claps, you can tell it's his first time. And they maybe yeah. say something real quick. Yeah. Okay, and then they're like, okay, second movement. Yeah. And go. Yeah. And that little break in between, mm-hmm. they do that in a Cage performance where it's silence and they're stone cold, they're staring out in the audience, doing nothing at all. It's dead silent. Oh. And then they go like, Okay, okay. That's first relax. And you're like, that was wow. You know, you, <laughs> I mean, as an audience member, you're just like, that what, was like, insane. What? Yeah. <laughs> to see someone do that mm-hmm. dead silent, that intentionally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 again, coming from a time when you listen to I, I mean th- and this could be for anybody, you know, if you sit and listen you listen through that girl talk album. That's great. I love it. You're just bouncing around. It's called All Day. It's a mashup artist kind of DJ okay, guy. Okay. Right. You listen to this, or, or maybe some dubstep, just real epic, heavy <laughs> electronic, yeah. you know. Um, a, a piece of nothing but silence is like just a, a cannon shot through that world, mm-hmm. you know. And it, when I was a young person, it just like, yeah. totally changed what I thought was possible about what music could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's an excellent segue into into kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which was 
you know, it, it gets at the idea of, all right, well, let's push the boundaries of the construction of music. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's question where music ends and silence begins or noise begins or, you know, the, these, something in between that we don't have a word for yeah. uh, comes about. Um, that was, that's really kind of, you know, one of, one of the, the people we talked about, John Cage, that's one of his, his oh, yeah, that's, goals, that's right? Big, oh, yeah, Philip that. Glass, too, is, is another one you told me to look up yeah. here. His, um, what, what are some of his works in that Phil, area? Uh, I actually don't know Philip Glass's works at all. I saw, I saw a performance um, of one of his, I think it was a symphony. Um, it was long enough to be a symphony. Okay. Um, one of his pieces. Um, but he, he issues a lot of the traditionality of classical music. And I don't know of a better way to put it than that. Okay. But a Philip Glass piece sounds like a Philip Glass piece. There's lots of repetition, lots of non-harmonic sort of stuff, you know, going off of the, the typical scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, listening to it is sort of a better way to get a feel. Because I'd read about Philip Glass. Right. And one of my favorite plays of all time is Philip Glass buys a loaf of bread. Um, which is a play by an author named David Ives. Um, it is a play in the style of Philip Glass's music. Okay. Um, wow. That will be ten pence, sir. I mean, that you, will be ten Yes. Pence, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and and there, there's, like there's half a dozen videos of, of various productions of it, usually, mm-hmm. you know, college... Level. You just ruined my evening. That's that's great. I mean, and, and, and it's one of those that I, I really... I read it the first time, the play... Because I was reading all of David Ives' work at the time, um, and I go, "This is I don't I don't know what's going on here. It does not work on the page at all." Oh, uh, you yeah. have to see it. Before and then I saw yeah. it, and I'm like, "Oh, does it actually have like musical bars in there no. for for the dialogue?" No, or, no, no, no. Um, okay. <laughs> but it has the same rhythm. And then I saw a piece of Philip Glass mm. music performed, and I'm like, "Oh!" Because yeah. <laughs> I had no idea who Philip Glass was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had so, never heard the name before. Uh-huh. Um, but but he he very much experiments with music and with um, repetition and patterns. And in this particular piece I saw, there was a portion where the musicians do whatever they want. <laughs> Literally whatever they want. Yeah, and, like, and that's, the, that's the conductor the introduced it to us beforehand. She, <laughs> she was talking about it and saying, you know, okay, so this 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 is this piece is interesting because um, it sort of sets up some some bass patterns uh-huh. that are then repeated and changed, which is what Philip Glass does. He sets right. up a pattern of something and then does every possible permutation thereof. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and, and she goes, I really love this piece because there's a portion in it where the musicians take over. And it's a, it's a certain number of bars, I don't remember exactly what it is, mm-hmm. where ba- they basically feel out what the music is and play. <laughs> and it is always different. <laughs> and yeah. you just get this sort of like cacophony and, and this of was, different and, and, things happening. Well, it's happening. not a cacophony. Okay. Like, I couldn't point to the piece and say, oh, that's where they were just making stuff up. Really? Yeah. yeah. So there's still... <laughs> and do they practice it the same way every time? No. I mean, no, no. Okay, they, they, so. they practice it. And they always make up something new every time they practice it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in the same key, or, or I mean, um, when you're in some class, there's not really keys to speak. Okay. Of. Yeah, and, and, and oftentimes in, in, in pieces like that, for sure. And I, I would not be surprised if this was kind of the same way. Um, it's not necessarily like play notes on your instrument. Okay. So in some performances, there'll be like people playing, and then all of a sudden the whomever bassoon player just like gets out a roll of tin foil and like crinkles it up and throws it on the 
the floor, and then picked up the baseball bat and that, just that didn't happen in my performance. But I can see that being something like, that, like, like, like being one with a pinball machine, like, <laughs> like they go back, and then and then yeah, and then you go back. And so this wasn't quite like that, but okay, I mean, that's that's easily something I could see being yeah. done. Okay, well, let, let me just let me play the the common man's advocate here for a second. <laughs> Sure, what's the common man? <laughs> somebody, you know, somebody who comes out of, like you said, dubstep or pop sure. or whatever, and and listens to this and goes, ugh, that's not music. You know, this music has rhythm, music has those five elements, right? right? It has harmony, rhythm, um, what, key signature, yeah. is, there, is there something else? There's three, like you, three other things. Harmony, uh, melody... Uh, rhythm is is always really big. Mm-hmm. I would maybe tack on some kind of bass line. I know it's a, it's a little bit of a rudimentary thing, yeah. but like a lot of the music we listen to has like you know, it has <laughs> yeah. some kind of little little it has a of music yeah, light motif, chord progression. You know, yeah. so it, it you know music has these elements, right? Uh-huh. So you know music is not. A bunch of musicians just doing whatever on the stage, right? You know, I—that's I, not pleasant for me to listen to. That's well, not. That's what I would say. Does music have to be pleasant? That, that's not something I can tap my foot to. Um, what is what is pleasant you know. to you is not pleasant to me. If I'm is a it, fan of death metal, it, I'm not going to argue that. If I'm not a fan of death metal, I'm. I'm on the fence with death well, metal. When people I do this, some. that, that they, they call that. certain genres of music not music. Yes, you know, they'll say know. they'll call and it noise or whatever. At but, that point, you're going well. Then you're just making an aesthetic choice. But, there's, not, there's nothing objective about that. Oh, okay. If people people said that about rap since rap started existing. Yeah, yeah. That's um, right. And that might be there's a racial component to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we'll just put a C in front of it and call it what it really is. Mm-hmm. I have heard that for 25 years. I've heard that. Excited. I've heard that from a number of people. And it's in variations. It's never been the same twice. But I always go, and I'm speaking to someone who has not really experienced um, any of that music in any on a deep level. The closest thing I've ever gotten is nerdcore, which um, is great, (laughs) but is in some senses a bastardization of true hip hop. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely um, it's referential. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's referential, but you know, and, and with um, MCA passing just recently, I've decided to go ahead and go get some uh, go. Beastie Boys. I've never actually heard a Beastie true. Boys album, and so it's I, it's my goal um, in the near future to listen to cool. License to Ill and um, got to do it. Uh, what's the, their second album that was the famous? Yeah, album. that was bigger than License to Ill. I'm trying to think. Uh, All I can think right now is. The most recent one that they came out with. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the, one. the new big. It's, um, it's yeah, different. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Hot Sauce Committee's part two is the newest one. The newest one. Yeah. Um, that one. Yeah. So it basically it ties into. I mean, do you think John Cage, Philip Glass are are they they came in the same era as Derrida? They came in the same era as, as Foucault and yeah, uh, roughly, I think they did. Right? I, I think so, that was reflective of certain things. Are they are they doing the same thing? I know Death of the Author, right? We don't yeah, want to ascribe intention okay. to something um, like four minutes thirty three seconds, yeah, but um, at the same time, you know, you don't make that for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's I a do way think of certain things are coming out of that because it, it's the same question of being asked. Right. Why is music, rhythm, and beat, and bass line, and, and harmonies, and melodies? And melodies. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Why is music those things, and mm-hmm. not these other things? Mm-hmm. And I think in some sense, you know, it, 
and this is the, the, the structuralist sort of, and, and getting into deconstruction of it, you know, those yeah. things exist because we've, we've said they exist. You know, we've, we've we created call this sounds pattern. in a certain pattern. Yeah, we, music. we, we yeah. created the um, the scale. Yeah. Um, and and while there are mathematics behind the scale, you know, you cut it in half and mm -hmm. things happen. I don't know anything about this. John may be able to say a little bit more about it. Than oh I can, boy, I did not pay attention. That that's okay. But, theory, that, but, that, yeah. but, that, but I know those exist, and, and so and so some people argue well, those are the natural. Music—that's sure. where music comes from. Yeah, right? but then, um, then again, you know, there, there's sort of a there's sort of a natural quality to pe the pentatonic scale, right? In in a way, in a weird way. Well, yeah, certainly. But there's and, and, and I, I, again, so, none of these are natural in any sense. Yeah. Um, because they're all those, based on human biology at one point, or you know, a certain yeah, interpretation. Sure, based of, on yeah. something. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they exist naturally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one can make the argument that all music should be at the same rhythm as a heartbeat. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whose heartbeat? I mean, well. Yeah. <laughs> and a resting heartbeat. I mean, heartbeat all sorts of things. A, I mean, but that's you know. but that 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 lub dub should be the basic meter, right. um, which which actually we see in um, Iambic pentameter is oh, bum, 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 a heartbeat. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's true. Okay. Just a fun fact from the Shakespeare scholar. That's—I um, never thought of it that way. That's, yeah. <laughs> okay, I've—I've uh, I've heard that elsewhere. I don't what know would be I the musical that. equivalent of like waltz almost? Or oh, that's a, that's a good candidate for it actually. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, just, just about any 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 dance rhythm. The, yeah. the waltz comes to mind. There's just, uh, there's a I won't even get started on on all of them, but. It's particularly every like culture has their sort of their dance mm -hmm. and it's always some kind of um, that lopsided heartbeat to it it's never like it's never a march mm -hmm. which the, is separate yeah. it's a dance it's a well the default uh, the default um, beats BPM in GarageBand is like 120 you know 120 is very standard yeah uh, BPM, resting heart rate is like 60. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> if you kind of put it in those terms, it scales and lines yeah. up nicely. So okay, sure. so they, so then we get these things. So so this is this but, is kind of this is the process of deconstruction, right? Well, yeah, it's going so, back well, and so sort that's, of that, this is, investigating this is why this is things identifying are the, way the constructions, and then, and then you go to someone like John Cage, uh -huh. who is pointing out, in my opinion, that the those things only exist because of what one might call their binary opposites. Right. Mm. Rhythm only is rhythm because it isn't chaos. Right. Rhythm is that which is not chaos. Um, okay. And if you listen to a lot of John Cage's pieces that aren't 433, for example, it's a lot of found sounds, a lot of no beat, no rhythm, a lot of... Almost sound seeing, right? Um, just... Well, and, and even then, there's some of that, but then there's also constructions to it. It is, mm -hmm. it is set up in a certain way. Um... It's it's an interesting happen thing happens. Uh, I, there's a podcast I listened to for a while called uh, Space Music, and one of the things he would do is just put on some binaural microphones and just walk around, and he would he would record you know like a playground or um, fireworks on the Fourth of July or just you know uh, stuff around his his house there in the Netherlands, and then he would go back in and, and mix that with an ambient track. And it was it was wow. so strange to see how like your mind will will want to make the music and the the changes and the and the, the little 
variations yeah. of the music conform to things that sure. happen in, that. in the sound seeing recording. So you get because we've been trained to hear those, right? You know, the the same way that like a, a person talking through a song, you'll it, you'll almost sort of you know match up the little beats with with the words, and it's like, oh my god, they're so you know rhythmic Sorry. and they're well, talking, yeah, and it's at, just like you look at Shatner does that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I mean that's, that's, that's sort of what it is over the music, but, and it's uh, just fascinating. Yeah, yeah which is interesting. <laughs> and actually, that, that's something interesting. I once I was in a speech class and. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to do an assignment. It was it was about learning to use your voice and your mouth and, and mm-hmm. how we use them and stuff like that. So our, our one of our final projects, maybe our final project, was to recite a piece, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one stipulation was that it couldn't be a song because um, of the different rhythms okay. that, that come out of that. And I treated and picked the song anyway. Um, I did I did submit it. I submitted the text of what I was doing. I was doing it. Um, Leonard Cohen piece called Famous Blue Raincoat, mm-hmm. um, which if you listen to doesn't sound like a song in the typical way, um, and that there is no real chorus or mm. anything like that, yeah. chorus <laughs> or verse, sure. or um, Famous Blue Raincoat's a great song, by the way, I first heard it because of Jonathan Colton, but I've heard the original, it's even better. But um, What's what's Jonathan Colton's? He covered it. He oh. did, did a straight up cover of Famous Blue Raincoat. Oh, really? I don't think I've heard that. It was part of a thing a week. So if you have thing a week, you've got it. I, I need to go back and listen to that. Yeah, um, that's how I first discovered it. But and so I actually had to train myself when I was practicing because I didn't want it to sound like a song to divorce it entirely from the rhythm of the music huh. in my repetition. Um, and because we do get to those same sort of we we learn those rhythms and that changes how we talk when we're talking to a song and we get this, that repetition yeah. and stuff. And the, the brain is sort of like a natural pattern recognition machine. Sure. If it, if it uh, this is this is maybe best left to uh, later episodes, but but you, <laughs> you, you can throw three stones on the ground completely at random, and you'll accidentally see a triangle. You know. And, oh. And, 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 yeah. Because you know, right? three vertices define a triangle. Bingo. And, exactly. and we've yeah. been taught that. We know right. that. And yeah. I don't yeah. mean taught in school. I mean we've been taught in the world but, to yeah. see that. But yeah. they're they're stones, so they're not points. No. So they're not vertices. Yeah. We're just we see them as vertices. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. It sees the potential there, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, there's there's and this is a big debate. I will say mm-hmm. maybe big's not the right word, but it's a big debate in the in the fancy pants musical community about whether. <laughs> Uh, those musical patterns that we use all the time playing mm-hmm. right now yeah. dubstep all these things whether are those are innate whether those are a component of the human body or the uh-huh. human mind or whether they are just you know it, and it, again I'm sure you guys probably bump on this one a bunch but nature versus nurture yeah. it's like oh, where yeah. does that come from yeah. and a lot of people would say um it is nature. There is something about these patterns that we find pleasing. Mm-hmm. If the heartbeat thing. Or the, it. Yeah. And it was, there's something, so, and, I, and I'll throw this out here. There's a little, <laughs> a little uh, something to think about. So the, the word we would use to describe nice sounding things and not nice sounding things mm-hmm. and the sort of mm-hmm. rules that make them such, we, we would call tonality. Yeah, right? tonal and atonal. Yeah, yeah. tonal yeah. and atonal, exactly. The atonal music game was a game the music majors played at uh, Texas Tech. Bingo. Mm-hmm. They would play the atonal music game involving two pianos and both of you playing them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Improvising everything. Oh, sure. boy. And it was called the atonal music game. <laughs> um, you remember Michael Hayslip, right? Yes. He hated that game. Um, <laughs> 
He was also very tonal as a person. Yes, yes, he was, which is why he hated that game. Yeah, um, but that's exactly what was going on. Uh, it makes perfect sense, um, actually. Yeah, and it was a fantastic game. You, hmm. you keep talking because it reminds oh, me of okay. something else that I wanted to get to. Yeah. So, so tonality—that's that's sort of a big structure of, mm-hmm. of music. Music as we, the layperson, would know it is—is is you. If if you're like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I like music. I listen to music on the radio and yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. I like it. Uh, that would be tonal music, almost undoubtedly, unless yes. you were just totally righteous and out there kind of person. <laughs> you listen to tonal music, and so the. There's something funny happened that gave birth to this sort of atonal music and this, again, like postmodern or post structural mm-hmm. music where mm-hmm. there's a, a fellow named uh, Richard Wagner, right? Richard, Richard Wagner. <laughs> and, uh, fa- famous yeah. for that Ride of the Valkyries in Apocalypse Now and uh-huh. yeah. uh, the Ring Cycle and, oh, yeah. and all these massive, massive operatic works that he mm. wrote. But there was one called um, Tristan and Isolde, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he made all of his music, it, it really stretched the boundaries of what is tonal music. Okay. The, if you look at it theoretically, it's very hard to define. This is a A major chord, and this is a hmm. this kind of yeah. chord. Because it's like, oh, this is this chord, this is this chord, and this is this chord. But if you look at it this way, it's also this. And it, so it could, like, and he wrote this opera called Tristan and Isolde, where he kind of in a way, invented this musical Rubik's Cube of, like, you can't... It's, like, next to impossible to define what he... Now, I say that people speed cubing can do it in 17 seconds, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he made this little little puzzle that's sort of unsolvable, I guess you could say, of this little chord progression. Mm-hmm. It's the very first thing you hear uh, in, in the entire opera. It's one of the last things you hear, and it goes throughout the entire opera, and it... It's like the whole. It's like a whole four-hour opera in two bars, basically. It's this impossibly intricate, undefinable little. Huh. It's called the Tristan chord, actually. Huh. Right, Tristan chord. And what happened? That sort of happened, and it, it, it premiered, <laughs> and people, st- the composers, started looking at it and got real mad about it. Like, Because <laughs> they didn't understand got it. real yeah, mad about it. were like, well, it's clearly, it's this is what he's doing here. Uh-huh. And by this, he's later in his career, so he's quite famous. So people are like, oh, clearly the master is doing this. Yeah. And then there's a whole other school of people that were like, no, no, they are wrong. He's clearly doing this. And neither of them is right. And, and it, it exploded after that into huh. all of a sudden it was like, well, if that's... If you can do that, and it's clearly like not tonal anymore, uh-huh. what can you do? Yeah. And yeah. then it started to be like, well, let's just all the chords don't have to matter. And then, well, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't have to be in a key anymore. Uh, C isn't yeah. any more important than C sharp. And then all, it was like, well, it doesn't have to be C sharp. It could just be, uh, uh, you know, naked. Like man, hitting a drum, like, and then and then it was like yeah. four minutes and thirty three seconds. It yeah, just yeah, exploded yeah. from that one little point that he made into mm-hmm. like he's sort of. Do you think he knew like intentionally did that? That's he, a good he, question. I don't know. The same way, I, I guess. I, I was thinking matter. this in the, in the same, well, yeah, okay, yeah. never mind. But it, it reminded me a little bit of like what Bach would do in his mathematical construction of, of music, and how he would he would use the the same little you know variation on a theme and just 
twist it back and forth on itself and stretch yes. it out and play it and, and you know I've, I've seen visual representations of his music that yeah. make it make so much more sense mm -hmm. and just are just mind blowing yeah, well, we yeah. did, we and did it, the, the Bach Girdle Asher Bach yeah, yeah. We, no but no like the, the, the musical loop on itself yes we have the, we have the Mobius strip we, mm -hmm. we've referenced that previously that <laughs> I forget in what context but um, it was I think when we were talking Girdle Asher Bach yeah and well and, and it I, I wonder if, if it's if it's a similar thing because those were puzzles in the sense of like you That's discovering great. the mathematical structure behind them. But yeah. it seems with uh, you know the the whole postmodern or poststructuralist thing mm -hmm. is there's not a structure. Well, there is a structure to discover, well, and, I think, I and mean, then this... you just discover that there's nothing. There's no like real. There's no man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. There's no out of text. You know, yeah. there's no it's context. Anybody's right? game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, I think right, right. I think that's really cool. I'm, I want to hear the, the Kristen chord now. Mm -hmm. like, it's about the disruption. I can say at the time of nature of it, yeah. the whole opera, if I just got the one chord, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an unbelievable thing. You get about thirty seconds in, and you can just head on home. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Miller yeah. Light. It's actually is... it's interesting because there's. Um, I'm, I know musicals more than I know opera, so sure. I've, I've gotten into opera a little bit um, when I was in Czech. It's a heady, a heady genre. I saw an yeah. absolutely amazing performance of La Boheme from the front box. Yeah. Um, we had a friend who had who basically got us tickets into, and it was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I get opera now. Um, <laughs> or at least kind of. I mean, yeah. I get one opera. But that's where I was like... I see why people talk about this still. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so what what did you draw? Oh, oh yeah, this was yeah. this was a different thing. I was gonna, what was I talking about first? I don't know. <laughs> Opera. Opera. We're, okay, let's talk about yeah. this instead. So uh, we, we were talking about sort of those those nature versus nurture things. Right. Uh -huh. um, and I have here in front of you two shapes. Um, yeah. One of these shapes is named Kiki. One of these shapes is named Boo Boo. Okay. Okay. Which one is which? Um, crap. Um, I don't know. I being being the conservative structuralist minded person still that I am. Um, Boo Boo is sort of the smoother one with you know fewer spikes on it. Kiki is more of the spiky one because you know I, I in my mind I hear you know Boo Boo as sort of a, a flowing you know yes it has definition but it it flows more than Kiki is you know you have these sharp sounds and so I associate that with sharp changes in direction of the other shade. John, I actually arrived at the same conclusions. Uh, using the same methods, which I'm a little bit worried about now. Uh, so. You'll find most people do. Yeah. Um, this is not something I invented. This is something I saw on QI um, mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, which is the British it makes quite perfect sense. Sure. Um, and that's what most people actually. say. Yeah. Is this feels like a kiki? This is there is no right answer. Uh huh. The question was was created without an answer. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, these two shapes were given the were given the names collectively kiki and boo boo. Mm -hmm. um, but. It's really interesting because we'll see this, and and it's very often that. So people were initially we, asked to come up with names for the shapes. No, no, somebody uh, somebody, somebody created, created these created two shapes, names. and I've, okay. I've not perfectly replicated them here. I've just made up diddles on a right piece of newspaper. But um, but that's the idea behind them: is one is is bouncy, one is sharp, or one is rounded, one is pointy. Sure. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, and this is sort of and this is not going into that reason of you know nature versus nurture, but sure. there's some reason that. The overwhelming majority of people say the pointy one is Kiki and the blobby one is Boo Boo, mm -hmm. um, and it's there. It's, it's, it's there, like, yeah. and it, and we can't. I'm not positing a suggestion of one way or the other, but you know, we sort of. I, I can see the argument of people going, "Well, music is natural. Music is is these sorts of things within us yeah. because we all have this." Now, mind you, all of us have experienced culture to the point where perhaps there's a collective agency within us that is leading to these decisions. 
Yeah. <laughs> Collectively leading to goddamn Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is their cleaning up going music. Really, yeah, yeah, right there. there. Oh, because this, is, this is the get out of here music because we're closed. Right. Um, I, mean, I think about that time. Well, they, they, we're closed at nine. <laughs> they so did, we're, yeah. We're post that. We'll, we'll wrap up uh, yeah. soon uh, here. But, but it was just... <laughs> Um, but so, I, I'm actually um, before we get out. Well, did you have uh, like a well, concluding I just, I just point that was, on that? that was, I, and I, I ponder about it because I had the same reaction both of you had. Yeah. And and being a post structuralist, I'm like, well, okay, let's figure out what's going on here. Yeah. And why is one of them of the other? And there, and it's funny because there's there's another. Um, I'm gonna screw it up, but a Jack Handy quote. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite of all. <laughs> Uh, I got, uh, maybe I'm gonna, I gotta look it up. Um, I'm gonna come back and uh, sure. So, so while while he's looking at that, yeah, you, you, you mentioned dubstep earlier, and, and I just wanted to rabbit trail real quick on this. Like dubstep, dubstep is disruptive in in the electronic scene, and it and it's distinct from sort of the 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 rhythmic the constant rhythmic music that we've been used to yeah um, but I was I and and when I initially heard it I was kind of turned off by it because of just it, it feels chaotic you know the, this whole idea of a drop you know and the, yeah. this sort of you know the weird arrhythmic uh, nature to it sometimes a tonal nature yeah. of, of dubstep is off-putting but the more I thought about it the more I listened to it it the more I experienced it in person, it definitely yeah. it definitely has a uh, an experiential feel that um, that you just it's tough to define. Yeah. And and I was and I was trying to think like, well, is it a mathematical thing? Like, is the the diminishment of the you know whoop 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 you know is that is that some sort of a mathematical curve you know that I'm just that I'm hearing and relating to? Is it is it something like uh, it, it feels a lot like reggae sometimes? It does. You know yeah. the That's the true. the feel and the and the the kind of the. I don't know. Just the character of dubstep is is very much like there's, reggae. So. There, and there's something about it too that's very like I would say maybe transcendental. Like there, it's and, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons yeah, like that the I, building up to something and then yeah, but not in the traditional electronic way, which was this sort of rise, right. you know, to a peak and then diminish. Right. right. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I know nothing about dubstep or comics. So you guys, you guys okay. keep going. Right. So I'm intrigued. So what? Yeah. So I, and I'm so you you appreciate it then? I well I. I I mean, with all my fancy, like, music Because it's artsy-fartsy musical people that, that tend yeah. not to like dubstep, I found. So really? It's, you're I, you're I actually see that. You know, it's funny. For me, so, sort of, uh, I like uh, sort of maximal music, like, as, as the opposite of minimalism, like maximalism. Uh, sure. So uh, the Russian composer Shostakovich and... Gustav Mahler and Wagner, who were like, 800 people is not enough people to play my piece of music. Like, the people who thought like that. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of just, he- again, heavy metal. When I was younger, I just absolutely ate it up, loved it to death. And dubstep sort of um, fits all the little niches of things that I like. So it's like a symphony orchestra. It uses basically symphonic forms. Really? A long lead-up with sort of these, like, real deep textures and then it kind of escalates like quickly like yeah yeah 
dubstep. And, and like, that's one kind like, of dubstep. Yeah, and like yeah, gets, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> and it just like takes off like that. And yes. it's really similar to, and then and then some of it just gets so gritty and. Mm-hmm. It actually didn't oh, didn't gel great. with me until I I saw Skrillex live. He's a perfect example. That I was like ten feet away from him, and yeah. it was it was small venue, and the crowd was completely invested in the experience, yeah. and I could not help but get like just caught up in this, and I, and I just live performance. Yeah, and again, <laughs> live performance in in a way that I had not appreciated just listening to dubstep played. Yeah, and it was it was that feeling it. Physically, he had us physically do the 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 movement of a drop at one point, where yeah. we would we all just like crouch down during the build up and then jumped for the drop, yeah. which was a nice little little uh, transposition of the of the idea. But um, and and since then, I I haven't listened to it much, and I yeah. think it's just it's because <laughs> I I don't get the same feeling listening to the music that I do as being yeah. there. Yeah. Jump on for a second? I, I sure, sure, curious. sure. Go for it. Because I, I know electronic uh, people perform. I know yeah. that uh, <laughs> uh, Skrillex and Daft Punk, these guys perform. I don't know what's happening in that performance. It's... Because, I I, because I understand this music to be very processed, very electronic. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you guys can answer this for me as a personal question. Because yeah. I have no... I know there are people up there who look like robots... And they're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. They're, the, the, the bad ones are, like... With basically playing back what they've pre-composed. Playing some, yeah. Somebody else's loops on, like, a machine their mom bought them. and they're But they yeah. have just such cool haircut or a helmet on. Or they're, like... <laughs> They're doing some kind of thing, you know. Like, there's, well, that's it, and then the good ones are they look like something out of like anime, where they're just covered in wires and knobs, and they're making they're working this maniacal. And they actually are working thing. it, like the yeah, the. And you they're can really see, amazing. like for with Skrillex performing, he's got his loops and he's got he's got kind of the baseline. Yeah. But he's got. He's got instruments up there. The Mac, the MacBook Pro is one. The you know you might have like a, I don't know what you call the the MIDI grid that's just like panels yeah. that you can change. Big ass you've, table and you've knobs. Got, usually. You've that's got a mixer of some sort. You've got little effects panels, and they're all kind of tied together and looped. And and he's you know constantly adjusting the amount of an effect or when an effect hits or. How you the know? And, and yes, yeah, I, I mean, re, basically remixing his own work in real time, and and re-performing it fresch, and and and, and just you know, cool. none of his there. And I wouldn't say he performed his songs in this uh-huh. in this concert. It was it was he performed elements and textures of his songs in a certain order and then went back and forth on them and mixed See, them I in with themselves. This. This, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean if you're was, talking deconstruction and, yeah. and post-structuralism, this is amazing to me. So, so or like um, uh, Daft Punk did a more explicit version of that in their... Um, a live album that, mm-hmm. that did you get that or somebody else? no I've, Simon I've, I've that, only yeah. ever listened to Daft Punk because of like Tron mm. and yeah. they, um, well, occasionally someone I would I, I, I would I would try and get into Daft Punk like when mm-hmm. Tron was coming out I'm like I should feel like I should know something about these guys yeah and I would go watch a couple of their music videos and go nope I don't know anything about these guys well one of the <laughs> one of the things that they did in this in this performance is they they mixed you know multiple times several times I think they would they mixed multiple songs on top of each other. 
like one for one. They basically mixed two songs together into something else. Yeah. And can, two of and their you, songs or different? Two of their songs, okay. yeah. And it, in such a way that it, it made something new, different, but also same. To both of them, you know. And also, Daft Hands. That's how I know Daft Punk. Okay. Hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. yeah, and, and I, I have to say that you know, a good DJ will will deconstruct, reconstruct, and then deconstruct again a song or an artist or you know a rhythm of some kind. You know, remixing itself is a form of. of Deconstructive play, sure, I think. Sure. Um, it's you know taking elements, recombining them, shifting them, distorting them, and in you know constantly and, and doing it within a set of constraints, maybe, or doing it within a certain time period, or doing it within a certain genre. <laughs> you know, that's that's where it gets really exciting. Okay. So, it's it. This has all made me come to appreciate music in a, on a completely different level mm -hmm. than before. I think, yeah. and and I think that was. That maybe is the seed that, that Wagner planted or that, you know, many musicians have planted over the ages and, and we're just now starting to feel the, the effects of. Um, that it's, you know, we're, we constantly, it's the question, like you said, yeah. Kevin. It's, it's, we should always it's ask, what is, where do we draw the lines? Yeah. Where do we draw the borders? Uh, you know? Yeah, this is what we could, I, I almost said right before John walked up uh, this evening, was, you know, that sort of distinction that I find between modern and postmoderns. Um, and this is a personal opinion, although I've heard other people say similar things. Modernism is looking for the answer. Postmodernism is looking for the question. Okay. Sure. Uh, Postmodernism says there is no answer. There, you're not going to ever find a definitive anything. Right. Um, you know, and I, you can look at it from the perspective of, you know, the, the true modernism, in my opinion, is best exemplified in history textbooks. <laughs> and yes. in the creation of those textbooks through the empiric method of history, mm -hmm. where we find a document, we read what it says, we interpret it as necessary, and then every future thing we find is built upon that. It's building a brick wall or a pyramid, or choose your structural metaphor because they're all building things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that it's okay if you only just discover, if you discover one new thing, and that's all you do your entire life, that's okay, because it's building towards this eventual final completion of whatever our knowledge is. Yeah. Right, right, right. And postmodernism says no. Yeah. <laughs> it's the answer no. to I mean, that's, that's yeah. what it is. It's there's no perfection. There's, no. Yeah, there's, there's there no you, center. Even, there's no foundation. You'll yeah. even find a lot of modernists who say, well, sure, we can never complete it. We can never have a full understanding of history, but we can get really close. Mm -hmm. And postmodern goes, no. 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 Because really close, close to what? implies that there is something to yeah. be achieved. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there this, is not. This is... This is um, this is Derrida from that, that structure, sign, and play, uh, which is actually an excerpt from a book, apparently. No, it got put into a book. Oh, it got put into a book. Okay, gotcha. Uh, well, it probably ended up in Of Grammatology? Is that what you're maybe. thinking? Maybe. Um, the, the article is from Writing Indifference. Okay, that was his other book. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, it was a speech first. And then it and got then put, put it into this. Okay. Um, his sort of conclusion, if you can even call it that, which <laughs> you probably can't. Um, you know the the affirmation of he says there's, there's kind of there's a loss of center. That's that's kind of where he starts yes. from. Is a, is decentralization. A, decentralization, an affirmation of um, free play. You know, uh -huh. a world without truth, without origin. Um, you know, it, it's an affirmation that that determines that the non-center otherwise is a loss of the center. Yep. Um, 
yeah, it plays and see so it plays the game without security. There is free play, which is limited to the substitute of a given and existing present you know pieces. It's it's this idea that there is there's no there's no seed there's no center of attraction. It's it's just yeah. Right, and, and we we put it there, and we we try we, we to get stuff re- close to we it. We centralize but, things all the time. But that's why, when you know, with true criticism or true um, reflection, any of these constructions just falls apart when you really start pulling. pulling because apart, there is because know. there is no center. Yeah. So when you really start questioning music, when you really start questioning the essence of a genre, uh-huh. it you get four minutes thirty three seconds. You pull it apart until there's nothing, and then and then in that nothing you find something else, and it just continues to flow back around and around and around. And, around and, and, yeah. and yeah, that's something we didn't talk about in the last episode. De- decentralization mm-hmm. is sort of that. We asked, you know, what's beyond the binaries? Right. Of you know, sort of breaking down these binaries, and the answer is is decentralized. Mm-hmm. Nothing is central, and not even nothing is in the center. Right. Because nothing implies an absence of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of weird to think about it. Um, and again, I still haven't gotten that uh, introduction to Dairy Down book, but there's a great metaphor in about it about about the the practice of haiku. Oh um, yeah, and not and not as a solo art, but as a group art, uh, hmm. where everybody sits around and generates haikus individually in a group, building off of each other without a center. There is no beginning, there is no end, there is no start, there is no stop. People just sit around and create episode. Potentially, mm. Um, mm. we'd Teaser. have to. We'd have Teaser. to. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, that it I would. don't know what we could happen out of that, but it's but it's. Um, Again, that's a, that's a metaphor that really got it for me. Um, was this idea that it's not about progression? It's, it's about the flow. It's about, it's the, about the flow. It's about construction. Play mm-hmm. um, in that very you know multiple definitions of play. Yeah. And the two have fun, but and then there's a play of meaning back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. The two senses of the word there. Derrida yeah. always has at least two or three senses of his big words. Totally. <laughs> that's sort of the point. Um, oh. And all of those meanings exist, and there is play between them. Yeah, um, they hold those those multiple forms simultaneously. Yeah. Yes. And, and again, as my my favorite, my possibly my favorite poem of all time. You know, I'm trying to remember it offhand. I said it, mm-hmm. I it to you in the car last time. Um, I could probably say. How mournfully it. the wind of autumn pines upon the mountainside as day declines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, more you think the about it, the more meanings you come up with. Of yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, mournfully, the wind of autumn finds upon the mountainside his data finds. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's one of those. I've I've spent hours sitting and pondering this poem. <laughs> I'm, I, and it's two lines. It's two lines. It's two lines. Um, well, because I'm like, yeah, we should it, we should probably leave it at that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's two um, lines. It's two lines. Well, this is. Uh, I guess. Huh, okay. This is this is a form spring question actually. Okay. We're we're in the form squeeze, what we call the, the form squeeze portion of the show awesome. here. Awesome. Um, in chapter chapter one twelve, titles don't really matter. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, uh-huh. that's fantastic. Whoever you are, you're brilliant, I love you. Um, yeah. huh. that is fantastic. <laughs> Talk about play. Here we are. Boom. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, atri- really Kevin achieved a great and entertaining analysis of the film Synecdoche, New York. 
I would love to hear what he has to say about The Sunset Limited with Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. I've never seen it. I may have to. I guess that's uh, a challenge has been posed. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of synecdoche, I just I threw down a gauntlet with a not stranger, but guy I've only met once on Facebook. Um, I call it stranger. Well, I, I, we hung out for a weekend. I was I was yeah. visiting some friends in San Antonio, and he was there the whole time. Yeah. And he's a real guy's guy. And it's really funny because everybody said the entire time that we were the same person. Like that again, having never met, we were almost identical according to these people, um, which is funny because. Whatever, but um, I, I've, I then friended him on Facebook. He's a cool guy. Um, but he was talking about watching The Godfather. It's the only film he's ever watched like more than ten times. He's really disappointed with how film has declined in the past, in the, you know, the recent times. And all I did was, and I, I kind of feel like a jerk for doing it, but all mm-hmm. I did was, you know, the people commented and like, "Have you seen Apocalypse Now?" And he goes, "Yes." Now he's The Godfather. And mm-hmm. Two words. I, I didn't even say two words. I just said Synecdoche, New York. And that was my entire comment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think it's one of the best films of all time. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I need to. You need to. Quite wow. Badly. Yeah. Um, mm. if, if you want to ease into it rather than jumping in head first, we and John Malkovich and adaptation are good primers. Okay. Okay. Um, they sort of they, they sort of prepare you for <laughs> synecdoche. Although you haven't seen it. I, I just jump straight into. Synecdoche. I know, and, and that's okay. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like shotgunning a forty. And yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. Both of those will sort of alcohol prepare before. you for <laughs> yeah. Charlie Kaufman's aesthetic. Yeah, um, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, what's this film I need to watch now? Um, the Sunset Limited. Sunset Limited. The Sunset. Limited. Yeah. We'll see. Was that the, like the producer or actor or film person of it's, the Sunset Limited? Be like, you know what he should watch? <laughs> Sunset Limited this fall. I think I've heard of it. With Samuel actually. L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> right. If the producer of a film with those two actors asked us a question, we're way more of a thing than we, we yeah. ever suspected. <laughs> so. podcasts are going to go viral. <laughs> right. Outward. Yeah. I like well, that. That's your. Out. It's a play. Yeah. It's a play by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, uh, cool. Oh, it is. It's a recent film. It came out in 2011 on HBO. No kidding. I totally missed it. Um, it's, it was originally a play by American writer Cormac McCarthy. Hmm. Originally published or produced in 2006 in Chicago before moving to New York. Okay. Um, yeah, and you got to see it apparently. The plan involves only. Oh yeah, I got to see this. Um, the plan involves only two nameless characters designated white and black, their respective skin colors. Hmm. Off stage, just before the play begins, black slaves white from saves white from throwing himself in front of a train. Um, Say no more. No, we'll, I'm, we'll I'm watch gonna watch the, it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I wonder if the HBO version is a film version of the play. Uh, or is film. Probably films, considering it's HBO. But well, no, HBO's done filmed productions of plays before. Oh, uh, they, they've also done film versions of plays. They did Angels in America. Okay, um, which was cannot wait. I think it's HBO that's doing uh, American Gods. That's going to be yeah. It's still in production, I think. But yeah, <laughs> I've, there's been rumors for years. Yeah, um, I'd no. love to see it, but. Anyways, we're meandering now. Um, John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, man. I think you provide some some great perspective here, and uh, safe to say we'd love to have you back on uh, on almost any topic. And I I am would love to see if if you're 
arranging it, a local performance of, of 4 minutes 33 seconds, if, oh, if, that, no, that, if that happens. I am very prepared to play that piece. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that one. Maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. Watch. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Um, sometime very soon, hopefully. Because <laughs> now, now I'm... Done. Now I want to experience it in person. Or just you playing the tuba, honestly. I'll, I'll settle for that. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I can do solo tubas. Yeah. You know, it's it's a rare rare beast. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure. You own your own tuba, right? I own a few. <laughs> a few tubas? Yeah. Well, considering it was his career for a while, yeah, I'm not surprised. One of, one of them was built by an old man in Japan with awesome. his bare hands. And the an other one man. I had to go to Iceland to get. Jesus. That's also awesome. So good stories there. Wow. Okay. That's time. Indeed. All right. Well, um, Kevin, thank you for, for coming on the show. Oh, um, John, do you have any sort of a public page where people can find out more about you or Twitter or Facebook really good question mm-hmm. uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, hey John Elliot it's J-O-H-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T two L's two T's symmetry so there's yeah. two L's two T's there hey John Elliot on Twitter Okay. Uh, that's the best way to do it right now alright that's the best way and if you're in the Austin area are there any groups you're involved in or you know I, uh, there's a fantastic, right now I'm doing some teaching actually, uh, with a, with a group called Austin Soundwaves. Okay. Uh, in East Austin. And it's absolutely incredible. And, uh, if anybody is interested in learning more about it, austinsoundwaves.com.org. Something, something like Go- that. Google Austin it. Austinsoundwaves.google <laughs> it already. All right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and get in touch. It's an absolutely incredible I program. like that. Doing, so. uh, well, you can find us at, uh, at I guess, stephentorrance.google it already and kevin saunders.google it already. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the rest of us at badphilosophy.google it already. .blogspot.com slash org dot me. Yeah, didn't we register that mm-hmm. one website? What? I the the you know Kevin Online blogspot whatever. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I created that web page. You did? Yes. Oh, so we, we made up a totally <laughs> random web page. I bought it. Um, <laughs> why didn't? Why didn't buy it? It was a, it was not Blogspot, and so sure I just we got to a it, Blogspot. Didn't we? I don't know if we linked to it. I have to go back and look at that post uh, now. That was a long time ago, but yeah, I remember because I was I was doing something on blog, and I was like, oh yeah, I have this thing that I've never done anything with. Uh, okay. Anyway, it has a message like saying congratulations for figuring out the correct way to type in this address. <laughs> <laughs> because it had a lot of that, like type, type out DOT and other yeah. stuff. So I don't remember exactly I what it was. I don't know I can find that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, anyways, uh, well, we thank you all for, for listening attentively to uh, to our show if you made it this far. And uh, we'll have some links up on the, the website, of course, for you to check out some of the, the pieces we've discussed today. And, uh, of course, uh, we hope to see you next time on Bad Philosophy. As a piece in three movements where the performer does absolutely nothing, allowing the audience to absorb the sounds around them. Everyone experiencing the piece in a different way, therefore, because we all hear things in a different way. Tonight the piece is being presented in a full orchestral version conducted by Lawrence Foster. He's going to give a downbeat to each of the three movements. He'll turn pages when he needs to, and of course the orchestra will remain silent, we hope, throughout the piece. I reckon Cage would have been pretty pleased uh, that this piece is being televised because, of course, you at home are going to experience this piece in a very different way to those of us here in the hall. Well, I promise you, this is the piece everyone here tonight has come to experience. There really is nothing like John Cage's 4 minutes, 33 seconds.
Well, that's one of the most extraordinary performances I've ever experienced here. At philosophy.com. You know what I love more than anything is the shape of my skull.